You're listening to the Common Descent Podcast. But we digress. Hi, Will. Hey, David. So this is something a little different. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it turns out. Yeah, so this is basically a little mini episode that we're going to do, because if you follow dinosaur research at all out there, you have heard that something big happened last week that has been all over the internet. Yeah, it just even if you're just interested in passing, you've probably had someone mention this. Yes, and it's the kind of thing that we wanted to talk about, but it, we, we have more to say than would normally fit in our regular little news segment, but we don't have enough to say to fill a whole episode. Yeah. So we're going to do this little minor rambling episode mm-hmm. uh, to get out some thoughts on this new bit, new bit of news. And since rambling is kind of what we do, it seemed fitting to make a specialty episode for it. Yes. <laughs> so this is just for that. So this episode is about Ornithoskeleta and the fact that it's taking the paleontological community by storm. Yeah, it, it has blown up. I, I The day it came out, I had at least three different people <laughs> mention it as to whether or not I had seen it yet. Yup. So let's let's talk about that. For starters, what's the news? So this is you you have seen this probably all over the internet with headlines like dinosaur family tree has been shaken up and it's a big change to dinosaur paleontology and this and that. One of them specifically uh, using the big star as they often do, saying T Rex finding a new home on the family tree. <laughs> yep. That was the first one I saw. And someone when someone asked me, I was like, What is the T Rex one? Because I hadn't got a chance to read it yet. And they're like, What? No, what? No, this doesn't really have much to do with T Rex at all. But. It, it's like it technically does for the fact that it deals with all dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a catchy headline. So the story is this this is a, a a new study that is mostly about phylogeny which is to say the relationships between dinosaur species and in particular looking at the very early evolutionary history of dinosaurs and how they are classified so we classify living things based on their evolutionary relationships and dinosaurs are are all related to each other through ancestry and classically we categorize dinosaurs into two major related groups. You have the saurischians, or the lizard-hipped dinosaurs, which includes theropods, which are the mm-hmm. meteors, everything from T-Rex to Velociraptor to the bald eagle, and the long-necked sauropods like Apatosaurus and Brachiosaurus. Those two, theropods and sauropods together, are the saurischians dinosaurs on one end of the, the family tree. The other side of the family tree are the ornithischians, which is everybody else. Triceratops, Stegosaurus, Ankylosaurus, Pachycephalosaurus, and so on. This is the classic thing you see in most kids' dinosaur books is those two groups, and they almost always use, as you mentioned, the lizard hip and the bird hip to describe them, which just as a quick aside, is super confusing since the birds (laughs) are in the side that's defined by the lizard-looking hip. Yeah. Well, that categorization is that one one of the major traits that defines those groups is the organization of their hip bones mm-hmm. with one group having superficially bird-like hips and yeah. the other group having superficially lizard-like hips. There are other traits. Uh, the hollowness of the bones is, mm-hmm. is a trait that dif- differentiates those two major groups. 
But those are the two big groups that for over a century have been the way that we recognize dinosaurs to be categorized. Yes. This new study redoes this analysis. So they basically did, the way that we, we do phylogenetic studies is it took a whole bunch of different species, mostly early dinosaurs, as well as cousins of dinosaurs, things that fall outside the major group, and it accounted for a whole bunch of very particular features of the bones in the skull, in the limbs, all over the body. In total, more than 70 species and more than 450 particular characteristics of the bones threw them into a computer and said, computer, based on the similarities between the species, tell us how they're related, which is how we do phylogenetic work uh, in not only paleontology, but genetics, anything like that. You look for the statistical similarities to try to figure out who is more related to who by having the most similarities. And depending on what you're looking at, depends on how you do that study, but it's the same process. Yep. So what this group found is that they got, you know, the sauropods are a group, the ornithischians are a group, but the organization of the groups is different. Instead of finding theropods plus sauropods in one end of the tree and ornithischians on the other end, their analysis showed ornithischians and theropods being closely related to each other, and sauropods being the extra outgroup but also closely related to a minor family of meat-eaters called the Herrerasaurids. Mm -hmm. This sounds very technical, but what it means is they've rearranged the major groups of dinosaurs in terms of their relationships. We've moved the sauropods away from the theropods and the ornithischians next to the theropods, and this is kind of a big deal. And so this is a change in the fundamental way that we classify the different groups of dinosaurs. And so naturally, everyone's been kind of freaking out about it. Yeah, it's, it's rewriting something that was kind of just accepted as standing fact for yes. well over 100 years. And quite literally flipped it on its head. Yeah, it's moved everything around. It is almost a mirror version of what it had been. Yeah, so it's causing a bit of a stir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, before we go into what this would mean for dinosaur science, let's talk a little bit about what the response is. Mm -hmm. What exactly are paleontologists saying about this? Obviously, the biggest thing they're saying is, holy cow, this is a completely unexpected, you know, we did not expect to see this particular rearrangement. Mm -hmm. This is unusual, but... As many scientists have pointed out, it's very important to keep in mind that this is one analysis. Yes. So as much as people are freaking out that this is, you know, we've rewritten the dinosaur family tree, and now, you know, that, that grouping of Theropoda and Ornithischia, they've called Ornithoskeleta, mm -hmm. which is, would be the name for that character, uh, that combined group, that word is being thrown all over the places representing this major change but you know take a step back this is one study and that that is especially when it comes to dinosaur studies unfortunately a, a common problem of as soon as a new hypothesis is yeah. suggested people take it and go hey have you heard t-rex is a scavenger 
<laughs> hey, have you heard? Yeah. You know, and and take your pick. You know that Triceratops isn't a dinosaur anymore. You know, yeah. Whatever the thing is, and you know, it's it's easy to forget that that's not how science happens. It's you know, not one study yeah. is not enough to overturn years of data unless it stands strong under uh, under analysis. Yeah. And so that's the thing that's being pointed out here is that this is challenging what has been the consensus for a long time, but that original classification has been the consensus for a reason. Mm-hmm. It stood up under decades of study. However, this study, by all accounts, has they've done a good job. Yeah, it's, it's not just bupkis science. Yeah, and their analysis doesn't just find a couple of traits that seem to indicate this new organization. That new categorization of Ornithoskeleta, grouping the Ornithischians and the Theropods together, is supported by more than 20 specific traits from all around the skeleton, which is a pretty strong result for a, a phylogenetic analysis like this. When reading the paper, you could really see it. they acknowledge the fact that what they're suggesting is extreme, you know, an extreme change. So while doing the research, they took that into consideration. You know, they were trying to think of all the potential issues with what they were looking at and trying to account for it. You know, it's, that's what you do when you know you're looking at something big. Yeah. So it's, it's not absolutely not the final word. But it is a very interesting study, and, and, and it definitely seems to be strongly supported already. Yeah. And, and we touched this on the last episode, but another t- thing that often gets misrepresented in these situations is that the fate of this new grouping is now on the line. You know, it either will survive yeah. or be overturned. But it's very likely that people could look at this and go, well, we think you were right except for this one thing you know right. this group should actually be here but you know ornithoskeleta looks good you know or maybe this one group shouldn't be in there it it could just be that there's details or it could be that they got it right or someone looks in and goes you forgot this dinosaur and yes. it's all undone or we find a dinosaur <laughs> and it oh, all yeah. gets undone well and that that gets to the point of really where this is coming out of is uncertainty. Yes. You know, the reason that there is legitimate criticism for a legitimate standing under, you know, uh, interpretation of, of dinosaur evolution is that early dinosaur evolution is not very well understood. Yeah, it's vague. There are not a lot of species from the that we know of from the very earliest time of the dinosaurs, and so we haven't been able to do really good analyses of this kind. And so, yeah, there's some conflicting evidence and there's some uncertainty in what was happening early on. In fact, it as much as this new rearranging of the tree is a surprise, it's not really a surprise to learn that we were wrong about early dinosaur evolution. Yeah, that, that a concept that's been around for as long as it has could could be updated. Yeah, especially considering how much uncertainty there is in the exact relationships of a lot of early dinosaur species. Absolutely. For someone to come along and say, hey, we had we had something wrong, yeah, that's not a surprise. 
And that's, it's something that I think is easy to forget with dinosaurs because we all know that we're constantly discovering, you know, which ones have feathers, how many feathers they had, what colors were dinosaurs, how were they moving, what were they eating, were they warm-blooded, were they taking care of their young after the fact. We all know that we're constantly learning those details about how does a dinosaur function, but I think mm-hmm. it's easy to forget that we're still trying to figure out what are they related to, who's related to each other, where did dinosaurs yeah. come from, just like any other animal. Like we talked about the crocs, like we talked about snakes. There's still questions of, well, are you more like this one or this one? You know, Which triceratops relative is more closely related to each other? Those questions yeah. are still being asked. It just doesn't get portrayed that way in dinosaur books. Typically, all that gets talked about is how did they function. So it's kind of easy for it to come as a surprise when someone comes up and says, yeah, we still don't know where dinosaurs truly evolved from, or we don't have a clear answer on that because that it's still there's still mysteries there. Now, this study... Most of that stuff that you were just mentioning, you know, they're, how do they behave? How do they function? That's not changing. Exactly. You know, this is a big deal, but most of what we know about dinosaurs is not affected by this. Yeah. Most of your, the little kid, your kids books and the fun books you get about dinosaurs, none of those are going to have to be rewritten. Yeah. This changes the early chapters of a book Mm -hmm. and because it's a change in our understanding of early dinosaur evolution, it has implications all across the dinosaur family tree. You know, that information sort of trickles down throughout the next 150 million years of evolution. Mm-hmm. But, you know, big change, not the biggest change. But it does have some really interesting implications. So, on the surface, you know, it's just, oh, yeah, that means T-Rex was closer to Triceratops than it was to Brachiosaurus, which sounds like a technicality, but it can inform our understanding of the evolution of certain traits. Mm-hmm. The most obvious one in this case is carnivory. So, classically, all meat-eating dinosaurs fell under the theropods. Yeah. Which makes it nice and easy. They all evolved from a common ancestor. Carnivory evolved that one time. There we go. But... This model indicates that the Herrerasaurids are on the sauropod relative side of the dinosaur family tree. Mm -hmm. They are carnivores, which would indicate that carnivory, specialization for carnivory evolved at least those two times. Mm -hmm. Same thing with one of the big features that was used to unite sauropods and theropods were their hollow bones, Mm -hmm. which made perfect sense if they had the same ancestor but ornithischians don't have that. So this new model has hollow bones on opposite sides of the family tree, which raises questions about how did that trait particularly evolve? Was it an ancestral one that was lost in ornithischia, or did it spring up separately? Yes. And that was one thing that a lot of the, the study talked about on both sides of the old model and the new model, is both have the issues of Whichever one is true, there's a lot of traits that either popped up by themselves separately or were lost in certain groups. Yeah. One of the most interesting implications of this, especially as goes dinosaur reconstruction, mm-hmm. is its implication on the question of feathers. Yes. Because we know theropods have feathers. Mm-hmm. We know there are ornithischians with feather-like structures. And when that was first discovered, it was really confusing because 
those were opposite sides of the family tree, which implied that feathers orig originally evolved in the very earliest dinosaurs. Yeah, and brought up the question of why sauropods don't have them or why we aren't finding them on sauropods. Yep. But if ornithischians and theropods are united in ornithoskeleta and sauropods are outside of that, well, then maybe feathers are just an ornithoskeleta trait and sauropods never had them. Mm -hmm. This would also mean that herrerasaurids might not have had them, whereas previously we would have said, oh, well, they're theropods, so of course they, they, there's a likelihood that they had them. Yeah. So it rearranges what we might expect to see as far as goes certain traits in the dinosaur family tree. It's cool to have this new reorganization not only be jarring because it flips things on its head, but it brings up a couple of kind of tied up with a nice bow answers to things that were issues. Mm -hmm. Not saying that means it's right because it makes sense. You know, there's always the, the just because it's uh, convenient doesn't mean it's correct, but. Right. And the old way also makes sense. Exactly. They both had those issues. So it's more interesting that this one also has. Uh, it solves problems from some of the old ways of thinking, but then it also raises the question of, well, why then do two groups have hollow bones? Yes. And so they're really, other than one having years backing it, on pretty even standing as far as how they each make sense. Yeah. So far, neither one just seems like, oh, well, this one obviously trumps. They both have good logic and good connections it's just now, which one will the data actually support? Yeah. So this, it's not an automatic, we were wrong and we've rewritten mm -hmm. all the stuff. It's not scientists were stupid and now we've corrected the, you know, close-mindedness of centuries past. Yeah. No, we, but it's definitely an intriguing new suggestion. It really is, because it... It's cool, as you mentioned with the feathers, the suggestions. It also made a lot of implications about early dinosaurs. Because yeah. when looking at this reorganization, they found that if these groups are separate, then certain traits fall under all of the branches now. And what the paper was saying is that it looked like the earliest dinosaurs, which it's often been debated, how did they act? How did they move? What lifestyle did they have? Mm -hmm. And evidently... One of the more popular ones was that they were small carnivores. Right. They were saying, according to this new, well, the way it's tending to lean with what they're seeing now is that they were more likely omnivores that were bipedal, running on two legs with grasping hands. Yeah, based on the traits that the dinosaurs we know of have mm -hmm. and our understanding of their ancestral relationships. And so that's one of the things that was kind of brought more to light by doing this new look at the dinosaur tree. Which is cool, because it, it suggests that instead of starting out as little scavengers, they were little generalists that then split into a meat and plant, you know, a couple of different times. Yeah. Which is, is interesting. It, it, it just kind of redefines how we might be viewing those early years of the Mesozoic and the Triassic. Yeah. They also made some interesting suggestions uh, as to where this might mean dinosaurs first evolved. Yeah. Uh, northern continents versus southern continents, as well as when they evolved. Their estimates push it a little bit farther back than, than most estimates. Uh, I have a feeling the Gondwana and Laurasia change is going to ruffle even more feathers than the family tree reorganizing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the question of where they first showed up is a really tough one 
because that's based mainly on where you're finding fossils. Yeah. And as we all know, where you find fossils is extremely biased based on how the fossil record has behaved, where you're doing your digging. So that that one's probably... I, I've seen a lot of criticism being thrown around as to how solid that yeah impl- that inference is. It's, it's hard to judge the situation of animals just by where and how many fossils you're finding. Because, for instance, one of the things I often talk about is here in Florida, you get almost no dinosaur fossils. Yep. Does not mean there were no dinosaurs ever here. It's There was not correct fossilization rock. That happens all the time where you just don't get the right circumstances to fossilize the animals you might be looking for. They could have been swarming there and just could not be preserved. Or, as is the case in much of eastern United States, they probably were preserved, but we don't have the rocks anymore. Yeah. They've eroded away. Oh. Uh, and have disappeared. Which is even sadder, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so this, the reaction to this new study has been a lot of really humorous images of people on the internet throwing away their old dinosaur systematic books. My favorite and... one is the stack of books with a lit match in front of them. Yep. <laughs> uh, freaking out about, you know, this changes everything, and now sauropods are, are the lonely outsiders, and this and that. And it's not, you know, as much fun as it is to joke around about stuff like that. We're not, it's not settled yet. And we'll see what comes of this as more studies come on down the line. But what it will do is force dinosaur scientists to consider this and to keep investigating it. And once the dust settles, we may very well have a new understanding of early dinosaur relationships. And the cool thing about studies like this, and this has happened before, uh, this is just a big one with the most popular fossil animals. Even if studies come out and people individually retest this data or this method or you know, do their own analysis on a similar level and find out that they missed one aspect or the features they chose are you know, misleading, and they were way off, and basically Ornithoskeletia is, uh, Ornithoskeleta is bucus. It's it's not going to pan out. Mm-hmm. A study like this that was not just suggesting something new, it was on a scale that really no study had done up till now, with more taxa and more features, and yeah. using a up-to-date method. So even if this all turns out to not uh, be accepted it will still update the way we look at dinosaurs from here on out. Just because they looked at it from a different angle than everyone else had up till now. And that will now affect the perception and thought processes from here on out. Yeah, it's a good study. We'll have to see what comes of this as time goes on. On on a personal note, when I first read it, uh, and this is one of those things where by no means am I saying I am taking my stand, but as soon as I read it, it makes sense. I, you know, I really like what they're saying. I don't know enough about dinosaur phy- phylogenetics to say yay or nay, but it, it's it's a good sounding result. Yeah. So there you have it, Ornithoskeleta. We'll see what happens down the line. Yeah. Keep your eyes out for my digressions. 
Yes, we have we have digressed. <laughs> In case anything else weird pops up. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll do more of these. I I had fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's it. We'll be back on the regular schedule uh, for episode six. See you that's then. All I, that, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, adios. Everybody.